Thank you, church. It is um, a privilege. Grab your seats this morning. It is a privilege. Honestly, it is a privilege to be here this morning in Imaginations, um, where it all started, where it all began. Um, and like Pastor Jack was saying, you know, uh, so many years ago, Beck's parents um, saw an ad in the newspaper and it was advertising Imaginations Church. And the, God told them at that point in time that you need to start attending this church because generations would depend on it. Um, and so, you know, I was thinking that as we were worshipping this morning and, you know, our kids, um, another two little cuties are in kids church at the moment. Um, but the foundation that this church has laid for our family um, is beyond words. And a huge thank you to Pastor Jack and Carol for, you know, accepting, first of all, accepting the call of God to come here and start a church. Um, and their faithfulness and their dedication over the years and their input into our lives, into our family. It is changing generations, not just us here and now, not just us in Vietnam. But, you know, I was thinking as we were worshiping that I'm so thankful for this church and the foundations it has laid upon our family for the years to come and the generations and our children's children. Um, you know, of what will come about because of this church. Um, and never, we never neglect, never fail to recognize or realize where we came from, what our base is. You know, God can take us many different places and do many things within our life. But, um, you know, the foundation, if the foundation isn't strong, then everything else crumbles, and we know that. The whole building crumbles. So I'm so grateful. Thank you for the foundation that you have laid on our family and our lives. And a huge thank you to Pastor Mitch and B as well for their continual friendship and hospitality in our lives. Once again, we would not be here um, standing without them. And so a huge thank you. It's been about three and a half years since we've been back, almost four years since we've been back in Australia. Um, 2019, you know, we were here for another update and, and then we left and like the rest of the world, we thought everything would be normal over the next couple of years and 2020 came um, and the rest is kind of history. We stuck out in Vietnam throughout the COVID period because um, we really felt that God was just saying, it's all good, just trust me, everything will be okay. And wh when the world is chaotic and, and roaming around, uh, God is someone we can always rely on, who's always steadfast in everything that happens and, and things. And our team were really appreciative of what um, happened over there and that we stayed and, and God took us through everything that happened over there. First of all, I want to say thank you to you as a church. From the bottom of our hearts, we really do appreciate everything that you guys do, not only for us in Vietnam, but for the nations. When you talk missions, you know, especially in Australia, the Imaginations Church is right up there. It is a church that it is talked about that they have a heart for the missions, who care for the missions, who care for people outside, just not of their own city, but outside of the country, outside of their area. And so a huge thank you for everything that you guys have done, your generosity, your prayers that have actually changed and transformed um, people. And a huge thank you for the, the impact that you have made through operations in early detection clinics in Vietnam. So you guys are literally saving people's lives. And so we really do thank you for that. 
Obviously, a lot has happened in the last four-ish years, but just to give a quick snapshot of, say, the last 12 months. For us, our organisation on the ground is AOG World Relief Vietnam. And because of the political system and the context, in case you don't know, Vietnam is communist. That means a lot of paperwork, a lot of red stamps, and a lot of um, creative solutions required. And for us, we just have a heart for God to be his hands and feet. I'm, I'm a Penrith girl through and through, and I was raised in this church. You go or you send. The end. That's, that's how it is. And so I knew I wanted to go. But, you know, for us in Vietnam, it's been a, a clear call of not waiting until things get easier, till the nation opens up. And what does that look like? And so for us, our organisation specialises in community development work and disaster relief. Obviously, we've been busy the last few years. <laughs> but with our community development work, there's income generation. So a lot of Vietnam, 70%, is still very much a farming nation. And so trying to help farmers use what they know to do that better. So for the average rice crop, you're talking about $200-odd and maybe three crops a year. Absolute max of about $1,000 a year earning capacity. Think about your monthly salary <laughs> and just process that, trying to raise a family on that kind of money. And so trying to help farmers use the resources they have, the land they already have, the skills they already have, and how do we do that smarter? and working in health and safety. Huge population, you heard 99 million people in you know, the state of Victoria <laughs> size land. There is a lot of need. So it's just trying to come alongside communities, families and children to help them access you know, basic health care and improve that and keep lifting the bar bit by bit. But our ethos is to come alongside to work with what are your hopes? What are your dreams? What are your goals for the community? Let's start to actually look at the resources instead of your lack. What do you actually have? And how can we help you get there? So it's very much a partnership. We believe in reaffirming the dignity of people in everything we're doing. Because that's a God-given dignity, right? We don't give that. We just help them rediscover it. And also through our education and training programs. So we work in schools. We, um, a huge thing that's come out of COVID is internet safety training. Because the world went online. And even in Vietnam, you know, tablets and devices, if they had those and, you know, hundreds of kitties could be cuddled around like a little thing. But the world went online and the world was not created. The internet was not created with kids in mind. It's a dangerous place even for adults. And so starting to create internet safety workshops for kids to teach them how to be safe online. Workshops for parents, for mother and daughter dates, you know, um, dads and sons for government workers. And that's just taken on a life of its own. And also uh, disaster relief, COVID safety, getting oxygen machines into medical centres because people are dying because they can't get oxygen. They literally can't breathe. So just in practical ways, trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Because for us, in Matthew 25, you know, who's read Matthew 25 when Jesus, they're just talking and saying, hey, 
why would you do this? And it reads so beautifully um, in the version that I have this year. I like to read a different version each year to keep the word fresh. And my version this year, it says, it's yours because it's talking about the inheritance of the kingdom. Because when I was hungry, you gave me food to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I had no place to stay, you welcomed me into your home. When I was without clothes, you gave me some water, uh, something to wear. When I was sick, you cared for me. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. And everything we do is motivated by that because it's illegal for us to proselytise. Literally illegal. It's a one-way ticket out of Vietnam. But we can be the hands and feet. We can do this. And then when people ask, hey, why? Hello. We're in prime position to tell them why. But one of the ways that we have been hands and feet of Jesus for over 22 years now is Operation Heartbeat, the heart surgeries that you as a church have supported for many years. For 22 years, this program has been in place. Over 1,100 kiddies, we're pushing towards 1,200 kids, have received life-saving heart surgery since that program first began. And just in the last 12 months, 82 kids received life-saving heart surgery. And so we just got a, a clip just highlighting some of the kids in the last six months who received surgery. Um, thank you. They're, they're just some of the few faces of the kids um, that have had heart surgery in, in the last 12 months. Um, and sometimes, you know, we, through our giving, through our generosity, it's, it's good to put a face to the actual person that we're helping. Um, you know, this little kid so many miles away that we have probably no contact with or no actual um, um, connection with. But these faces and their smiles on their faces, that's what I love. The smiles on their faces after they've had the surgery, their, their whole life changed and transformed. Um, see, because with a kid with a heart defect, it affects so much of their daily life. Most of them have blue lips because it affects their breathing. There's not enough blood getting to the rest of the body. They're constantly sick and, and coughing. And most of the time, the parents don't even know what is going on or what's happening with them. It takes months before a doctor can diagnose them with a condition. And for a child just to smile because they're no longer in pain, they're no longer suffering, they can breathe better, they can run more, they can do so much more in their life. And so much of the time, when they walk into our office and they're sitting there, all depressed, all just feeling down and drained. And then after the surgery, when they visit us again, they're perky, they're smiling. There's a whole new lease on life. A couple of examples. Um, there's a, a girl called Hung, and we've got a picture of her that's coming up. Um, and these are one of the, the children that you as a church have helped to change a life of. So her, her dad has epilepsy. So he can't work. He can't do much at all. He, at himself, needs medical attention and care. His mum is a labourer, but obviously she's got to not only look after her husband, but her children as well, and her parents who live with her. And very little income is coming into the family. Hung was diagnosed with a congenital heart disease at one of the early detection clinics that once again you as a church helped to provide and support. And through these early detection clinics, the children have been able to be found out at an earlier age. And so once that's found out, the mother really doesn't have any funds 
the family doesn't have any funds as a sole income earner, what do you do for a child? Where are you at? Do you choose between food on the table or medicine to keep going or, or school fees or helping with other things? And so when they came to us through the early detection clinics and when they came to us, we said, yes, you know what, we can help. Surgery was a success. It's over, whoops, it is, it's, it was over $3,000 for them just to have the surgery for her. And that is money that they just don't have, money they just can't afford. And medication and, and family things that they need to, to help with it um, just wasn't possible. One more girl on the screen, her name is um, Dan. And she, once again, she inherited cardio uh, disease from her grandmother. So it's in the family, it's in the blood, and the school identified it through, once again, the early detection clinics. Surgery costing around about $3,000 again. But with her story, her mum was a teacher at school. COVID came, she lost her job because she couldn't stay home with her kids and go to school at the same time. During that whole period, her husband leaves her goes off to work or finds somewhere else, hasn't heard from him again. Through all this turmoil of losing her job, she now then has to find a new job in selling vegetables at the local market. Through all of that, discovers that her daughter now has a congenital heart disease, costing so much money that she cannot even comprehend. And so this little girl, you can see the before and after pictures of her and what it has done for a life-saving operation, you know, has just meant for her. And so this is a life, this is an actual life that you are changing as a church, and we are so very grateful. In the last year, or since we've started the early detection clinics, over 200,000 kids have been screened. Yeah, three and a half years. And 87 in just the last year have been changed. And so that's getting to kids and recognising them and getting to them in a condition that they just don't realise and recognise before it's too late. Getting to them quickly rather than years passing on and it becoming a problem. So really thank you, church, for your um, things. And we've got a clip to show you on the EDCs. In central Vietnam, 38 in every 1,000 newborn babies are diagnosed with congenital anomalies. Of these anomalies, congenital heart disease accounts for 53%, more than two and a half times the average for the Asian continent. For more children, surgical interventions is required to help them live healthy and productive lives. Without from surgery and further treatment, there is a significant risk of fatality. In response to this heartbreaking situation, IOG World Relief Vietnam began screening children for congenital heart disease and other related issues. These only detection clinics are conducted on-site at local kindergartens and primary schools by qualified physicians and technicians to ensure early detections of any cardiac-related issues and prompt intervention if required. Should surgical treatment be needed, IOG will relieve it now assist families who cannot afford the surgery due to financial hardship. Far more than a program, these only detection clinics apply changing. 
Each clinic represents a significant source of hope for hundreds of young Central Vietnamese children and their families, literally saving their lives and opening the door to a better and brighter future. You know, these are some of the wins, you know, and <laughs> when you come and you give an update, you share those wins because that's what people want to see. <laughs> But in reality, the life of a missionary, you're going to be praying for the nations as you start your fast tomorrow. And so we were asked to kind of share a little bit of what life actually looks like for those, you know, overseas living in a different postcode. But in the end, we're all missionaries, right? Like, this is not a, a hashtag or a meme to encourage you to make you feel special. You should be giving a standing ovation to each of you as you generously give and sacrifice. Because we're all in this together. We, we are just literally like you. That's why it's so embarrassing whenever I claps and think, we are just like you. We just happen to live somewhere else. But we are doing this together. But it can be challenging. <laughs> Visas and permits... Oh, my word. There are no words to tell you how stressful that can be. It took four months to get our last permit just to exist in Vietnam, to then organise visas and, and things. You're living in another country, another culture, another language. Just to give you an idea, in Vietnamese, the word for gas, train station and chicken are all the same. So, and it's a tonal language. So if you are a tonal linguist, like Kelvin, it can be quite tricky. The word for sugar and street, again, they're the same, just different tonal marks. So you've got to deal with all of those things in a country, you know, navigating the fact you can't point, you can't wear shoes, you need to drop everything when you get a wedding invitation two days before the wedding because the local witch doctor told you that that's the lucky day for this wedding in which to happen and if you don't go to your barber's son's sister's cousin's wedding it's a cultural affrontage you know so you've got to navigate all of those things but there's also health challenges like has anyone ever gone through a health challenge like so fun i have now had 10 surgeries five of which have been emergency three of which have been in vietnam I have arrested on the table. I've been told I have four cysts in my brain. Like, the list is ridiculous. But God has pulled us through each and every time. There are financial challenges. Can you imagine trying to run an FNGO, fancy word for charity work overseas, with COVID, funding drops, most churches are dropping off their support and businesses and things. You've still got a team. You've still got people who are in need. Ooh, it can get spicy sometimes. You know what it's like trying to balance the books with your budget at the end of each month and navigate where things go. But God has provided every single time. Every single time when there's been a need and we haven't even gotten to, you know, start prayer and fasting and pacing the floor, interceding and we'll get phone call or we'll get an email. God has done the most supernatural of things There's also the challenges, you're away from family, friends, they're going through health issues or mental health issues, whatever it may be. And it can be really challenging, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I first left Penrith in March 2007. As the kids told me when we were drove in and we told them, they told me that was a long, long, 
long time ago. I'm like, thanks, guys. Love you too. But it, it can be tough. But in the end, you've got two choices, the way I see it anyway. Give up, give in, this is too hard, I'm overwhelmed, and just, just try and survive in life. Just keep, you, you know, like little Dory, just keep swimming, just, you know, and just try and survive. Or, or, you remember, but God. But God is involved. But God called me, but God, and I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand, I'm going to keep standing, like it says in Ephesians 6, talking about the armour of God, about putting it on. You don't just put on one piece. Like you put it all on every single day. This is not just a one-hit wonder. Sometimes you've got to remember that you're wearing it and just kind of adjust your helmet every hour, every other minute. But we want to stand and keep standing. In the book of um, Deuteronomy, um, chapter 7, verse 9, it says this, So remember that the Lord your God is the only God, and you can trust him. Keep his agreement. He shows his love and kindness to all people who love and obey his commands. He continues to show his love and kindness through a thousand generations. You know, with everything that happens and goes on, there is so many opportunities for us to go, let's pack up and go back to Australia. When the government calls and says, you need to leave the country or we're not going to accept your visas anymore, um, it's time to, to go. When it's too difficult for them to do. When it's health challenge, see your wife going through this or the kids are now going through this, and why should they have to pay the price of less medical attention when we can get it free and better somewhere else? When, you know, it's just pinching the pennies because stuff has come up unexpected, and it's like, well, what? how much do we need to eat this week, or what is going on? When the team goes, they need some help with this, and there's little finances left in the coffers to help. It's very easy to kind of go, you know what, let's just give it all up. Let's just walk away, it'll be good. We, we've done our share of things. We've been there 12 years, 13 years already. Surely that is enough time. Surely we've done what we need to do. Let's get up and go. The thing that keeps us there all the time is this, is remembering God's faithfulness. Remembering of what he has done in the past. He's done it before, so he will do it again. So no matter what health challenge we go through, no matter what financial, okay, yeah, it's a struggle. Yeah, it keeps us up a little bit at night. It gets us onto our needs a little bit harder, a little bit more, crying out to God, but it comes back to God's done it before, he will do it again. If he has called me, if he has called us, and he has placed us here for a time, for a reason, then surely he will take us through it. And for us, that is a primary reason why we stay, why we go through it, why we didn't hop on the first plane back during COVID, why when challenges come up, you know, it's not just a turn away and a walk away. It is, let's keep going because God is faithful. God will get us through it. 
We want to thank you, church, just once again for your love, for your generosity. And we thank you for your prayer and fasting. It really is going to make a difference for us and people over the world. You know, one thing that we say is that no matter what happens, prayer and fasting makes a difference. You can, you can keep your money. You can keep um, anything else. If only one thing that you would give us is prayer. That is all we would love and desire. Because prayer opens doors where everything else cannot. And so we cover your prayers and we cover um, your thoughts on us on a daily basis. So please remember us in your prayers. And thank you for getting involved in praying and fasting during this time. Yeah, for us, it's not just about us. You as a church are about to embark on a fast tomorrow for 21 days. And so you're hearing these stories and, you know, trying to condense four years into (laughs) 25 minutes. And you can ask the question, well, what does all this mean to me? How does it apply to me? How is it going to change my life? Or, or, you know, how does this affect the next 21 days? And so I would suggest it's, there's three things, three Ps. The first is prayer, obviously. Prayer you know, all the hashtags in the world of prayer, it's so important, but no kidding, for us, like, you know, finances and partnership, all of that is great and essential, but the most essential thing, other than an actual relationship with God, is prayer. Like, prayer opens doors, miracle after miracle. When we're told there's an indefinite waiting list, you can't have that appointment, we pray, we get an email, there's a call. Where that visa, hey, we're cancelling it, you need to be out of the country tomorrow. Oh, wait, we have your passports, but you still need to leave. <laughs> what? How? Let's get it. We get the team, gather in a circle, start to pray. 30 seconds later, the phone rings. Hey, it's okay. We realise that's a stupid plan. We'll send you your visa tomorrow. Prayer changes things. As Corrie Ten Boom says, prayer, uh, is prayer your steering wheel or your spare tyre? Who has ever been guilty of saying, well, hey, do you need anything? <coughs> no, we're good. But just pray, you know, just pray. As if it's this backup, this spare tyre, that, that squeaky little tiny thing just to get you through to the garage. But prayer should be a lifestyle. And not, you know, in case of emergency, break glass, go pray. It should be a lifestyle. We should be a people who are praying and believing and believe, expecting the impossible, expecting the breakthrough, expecting the miracle. What are you expecting this year? What is that miracle? What faithfulness of God do you need to remember this year as you start this fast, as you're praying for the nations? How can you be encouraged not to be just praying for others, but also believing and expecting the impossible for you, remembering his great faithfulness? And secondly, I would encourage you to perceive, to perceive, not just take things at face value at the eyes directly in front of you, but what can you perceive in the supernatural, in the spiritual realm? Can you sense what God is doing? I encourage you to press in in these next three weeks, to press in and say, God, open my spiritual eyes, open my heart, make me sensitive to what you are doing. Help me perceive what you are doing. Isaiah 43 says, But the Lord says, Do not cling to the events of the past. 
that Lot's wife looking back and, oh, wasn't it great? The Israelites, in, you know, they've been freed from slavery. Hey, it was better in Egypt. Like, are you stupid? It was not better. To perceive what God is doing when a situation is tough and challenging, but perceive God is on the move. Watch for the new thing I'm going to do, the Lord says. It is happening already. You can see it now. So put on those spiritual eyes. Perceive what he is doing now and perform. Not in terms of a magic trick or a musical action show, but like an Ikea flat pack. You've seen that thing. You've bought it. Action is required. You're going to need to assemble. Yes, it's going to be frustrating. Sometimes the instructions have nothing to do with the native language that you speak. But perceive God can do it and perform. Action is required. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. As you read the stories of the nations that you were supporting and the people that you as a church are doing amazing things with, be encouraged. God can do anything in Luke 1, 37. It's one of my favourite verses because God will always do what he says he will. He is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. So as you pray and fast this year, what are you expecting? Remember his faithfulness. Pray, pray. It's not your spare tyre. It's not your emergency broken glass. Perceive. Say, God, help me perceive what you are doing. Open up my eyes. Open up my heart. I want to be aware. I don't want this alarm going on and I miss it like an earthquake. And I'm like, what? What's going on? I have no idea. And perform. Action is required. Step up. Whatever he's prompting on your heart, do it. Ask God, hey, God, what are you doing? What, what's my part in all of this? How can you stretch me? How can you grow me? How can I be involved in what you were doing in this beautiful world? So we just encourage you. We say thank you and we encourage you. We'll be praying and fasting along with you. And it does. It changes things. Like, it's amazing. What is it going to change in the world around you? You are Imaginations Church. You imagine nations. Imagine that as you pray. Imagine those nations turn back to Jesus. Imagine nations worshipping God. Imagine the supernatural.